With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights. With your host, Steve Politi, and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Steve Politi from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant. I've got Sergeant Cratch here as always. Guys, it was just great to see you. I mean, we were out of football practice together, watching football, no masks. Uh, it just felt normal. It was nice, you know? I mean, get, getting crap from Fooch, getting, I mean, it was like old time. Carlin showed up. It was like, I felt like I was at my high school reunion in, in 10 years ago, right? Even the fans got into the act because, you know, you, you posted the, um, the, the photo of us at, at practice, you know, yep, to, yep. to our, our, our tech, uh, subscribers. And the first thing that they wanted to know wasn't about the quarterback competition or injuries or any of the other happenings at camp. They wanted to know why Steve Politi did not have a beard. Right. You know? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare now, even if I could, and I can't grow mustache here. Even if I could, I wouldn't try to do it because of Cratch's beard is like, you know, grizzly man, Montana level, you know, it looks like, I mean, really, if, if you have like, if you have a cabin somewhere in the woods where you're writing a manifesto of some kind, Cratch, let us know now, because I don't want to find out years from now that you, you've been, you've been working on a project here, uh, <laughs> you know, that you're going to go off the grid. Wow, I grow, the with fir- the beard. I grow the first beard of my life, and you immediately cut to the Unabomber joke. <laughs> well, I mean, Sarge, am I, am I wrong? Am I off base here? <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I, in, in some ways, I almost want them to institute the mask policy. That way, we don't have to, we don't have to look at it every day. But right, yeah. um, the other thing, it was the, the bucket hat, the lack of the bucket hat. Yeah, that I didn't have one. doesn't have on, where Cratch and I are, you know, we, we are conforming to NJAM. You know, and Jay Vance Media uniform policy, which, which is a bucket yeah. hat, and you just are your own. You know, you're a rebel. I didn't have. I got. I got a nice comment on Facebook about on Twitter about my calves, which is uh, it's just funny because Greg Schiano complimented my calves after practice, which I was, you know, and, and I, so if a football coach, a guy who's paid to make observations about people in their physical prime. I, looks at my my massive, uh, muscular calves and and has nice things to say. I think that's a sign that, that, uh, that, you know, comeback might be on the trail here. What do you think? We're off Definitely. to a great start. We're off to a great start. on this we, went, we really are. What, what were we talking about? Oh yeah. Rutgers football. I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, uh, I got to tell you, and I, I want each one, each one of you guys, because I just give me a, your, if, if someone came up to you and said, how's camp going or how's the team look? I'm just curious what your answer would be. Like, give me the view from 30,000 feet, Cratch. What, like, what, is, what is your general thought on what's going on down there? So this might disappoint some folks, but they look exactly how I thought they were going to look. Physically, they look a lot bigger. 
I think there's a lot more talent in the program. There's a lot more depth. But that being said, nothing I've seen, we're about two weeks in, has made me move off my idea of, hey, this is a much better football team, but it's still not a bowl team. That's where I'm kind of at at this point. I think I, I went into camp thinking this was a four or five win team. They look to me like a four or five win team. Lots of optimism. They're getting much better. They're, they're on the right path. I just don't think this year is going to be the breakthrough year. Sarge, what, what would be your answer to that question? Your, your, well, the, the depth is, is ridiculous because uh, yeah. for one, you know, because they're allowed to go over to 105 limit because of, you know, the, the super seniors don't count. So they had like 120 guys and two, you know, just the depth in general, like, I mean, just amount of, you know, guys they have returning. I've written it before, but all 11 starters, you know, are back nine of the 11 um, defensive starters that, you know, so it's just on and on and on. The two deep is, is just, you know, uh, uh, you know, has more experience than Grace Shannon ever has, has had. The one thing I always couch it at two things one you know it, it, you know how much markedly can these players get better from you know from they were three and six team a year ago and two you know every other big 10 school you know presumably has a lot of guys back because right, you know this right, was right. a year where they gave everyone uh, a year back but they do have more named guys than they ever had before i'm writing about it this week you know the the amount of six-year seniors greg Schiano in his first tenure had Three six-year seniors, uh, Brian Duffy in 2004, Mason Robinson in 2012, Edmund Larray in 2011. They have nine this year, including six who have stuck it out through their entire Rutgers career. You know, they were part of the 2016 recruiting class. That is unbelievable to me that they have so many six-year seniors, grown men, as, as Grace Shannon likes to call it. Those are two things that stand out to me, the depth and, you know, just a number of guys that have back who have starting experience. All right. I'm going to go one football observation, one non-football observation. The thing that struck me, and I stood, I stood next to Shiano as the players are walking off the practice field. Uh, and I just saw a lot of smiles. Like, you know, this could be you're in the middle of the dog days now. Practice number six is the one I saw, I think. Uh, you know, they're getting, they're getting to realize, like, they're in, the, they're in the heat, the heaviness now. It was a tough practice. Shanna was on them throughout the entire thing. And you just – you got the sense that a lot of what was going on last year with COVID and the pressure and the uncertainty – has been washed away and they're just a football team now. And I think that, I, mean, I think that shows, I think it shows with Shiano. I think he looks a lot more relaxed, uh, you know, and I guys got that sense that that's a very good thing that they're, they're enthusiastic team spirit, all that, all that culture stuff we hear about. That's number one. Number two for me is just like I was watching seven on sevens and watching them uh, go through passing drills. I was just struck by just the, the, the amount of talent at the wide receiver now. And I bring this up this specifically in this position because we spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about it being a position of weakness. You know, they're going through now. I mean, you, 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 got, a, you got like a grown man. You talk about that, Bo Melton. You know, you, you, you got Shameen Jones is coming back. Then the twos come through. You got Krushank. You got Washington. It looks like it's a breakthrough season. But even after that, like the depth beyond that, there's just all of a sudden a lot of guys – in skill positions at this uh, in this program, Cratch, I think that's just a that is a really good sign of what you're talking about when you guys talk about just in, in building the depth and building building the roster. No, no doubt. I mean, I think we we look. I mean, it's kind of it feels so long ago, but even go back to 2019, you know, they had I think like 17, 18 wide you know scholarship wide receivers, guys in the wide receiver room, and you looked at the roster preseason, you're like, maybe one of these guys will produce. Yeah. 
Whereas now they've got about the same number, but it's Shameen, it's Bo Melton, it's Isaiah Washington coming on, it's Aaron Cruikshank. You know, you, if Josh Youngblood eventually works his way, it's all these options that they have. So I, I think that does speak a lot. I am continually amazed by the overhaul that has happened in the wide receiver room between Tyquan Underwood coming in. I mean, it's very obvious that room had just no coaching, basically, in the Chris Ash era. He's come in, done a tremendous job. Uh, and I don't think we give him enough credit for it, be, even though he gets a lot of credit for it. Because, you know, he's a guy who was very young in his career. I mean, credit to Greg Schiano for bringing him in and realizing the, the ability he had to kind of overhaul that room. And the guys like Melton Jones, they've just tapped into talent that everyone thought they had, but they had just never kind of made good on when they were here. For me, my football observation, I think the offensive line is going to be a revolving door and they are going to, leave no stone unturned trying to find the best five guys that can protect Noah Vegel and give them a shot in Big Ten games. I think whatever the starting offensive line is against Temple, I would expect it's going to change several different ways, and I think they're okay with that. They're okay with rotating guys in and out, moving guys from guard to tackle and vice versa. I think they're going to do a lot of that. My non-football observation is it's just like a total night – like. It's a, it's a real college football program, the way it's run, and they've got enough staff members out there and, medic, and trainers and managers and the coaches. It's just such an efficient operation. There is no energy wasted in a Greg Schiano practice. It just looks like a, a finely tuned machine, which is something we didn't see much in the prior regime. Sorry, Charles, you've been doing some great practice reports. Give, give me a position. I like, I like the this conversation when I talked about the receivers. And what struck me about receivers is when you look at, like, I had the roster and you're watching these guys out there and you're like, who is that? You know, there's a lot, there are a lot of moments you're like, wow, that, that kid's a freshman. Uh, is there, has there been a position that sticks out for you? Yeah, I mean, linebackers we knew was going to be deep. Um, you know, they have some – that's probably the position where they had the most starting experience, right? I mean, you, you know, even a guy like Rashawn Battles started, you know, and 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 Drew Singleton and, and you know, obviously Tyshawn Fogg. You know, Tyreek Maddox-Williams, you know, is a, is a six-year senior. He's played in, a, you know, 45 games in his career. He probably won't start unless they go with, you know, a, you know, a four-linebacker group, on, you know, in, in games. So, you know, they have so much depth at that position. And, and again, you talk about, you know, where they were, you know, you know, early in the uh, Chris Ash era, and he and Chris Ash does get some credit for the way he recruited linebackers. That was, you know, probably the position that he, you know, he probably had the the, the best, you know, um, ability to, to evaluate talent at. Um, linebacker, you know, as, as a playmaking, of, uh, you know, it's really the, the, the key to, to Greg Schiano's defense and Rob Smith's defense. So, you know, to me, you know, I, I think, you know, 03 you know, is going to be is, is poised for a big year. Tyshawn Fye is going to be really good. You know, they just have a lot of talent, at, you know, in the, in, in the middle of the defense. O three just looks like a monster. I mean, he, you know, he had his shirt off at the end of practice. You're like, holy cow! Look at the size of it. I mean, it, he is an NFL body. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, he, he's, he's and, and yeah, and and you know, look, uh, Rutgers fans, you know, just you want some inside as you know a- aspect of this. You know, O three has become such a more 
vocal leader. And he, we talked about, I talked to him about it in Indianapolis, a big 10 media day. And he did say that, you know, it, it took him a long time and Greg Shiano was able to kind of coax it out of him. You know, he, you know, he, he you know, he, it wasn't something that came naturally to him, but you, you see him out there. Like he, you know, you could tell he's, he's going to be a leader. I'd be stunned if he's not one of the uh, captains, you know, once again this year. Uh, all right. We, we got this far without talking about quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, watched a lot of them. I mean, uh, Noah Vedral is clear number one. For once, we don't have to debate who's going to be the starter. Um, Kratz, what are, what are your thoughts on watching that position so far through camp? I think the scrimmages are going to be big for that thing. I mean, right. I think it's it's very clear that Snyder and Simon are, are the two guys. I mean, you know, Shiana said in Indianapolis, I think what we've seen in practice so far has backed it up. Johnny Langan is a quarterback, but if something were to happen to Noah, they're not going to ride Langan for the rest of the game. They're not going to ride Langan the next week. They're going to go with either Simon or Snyder. Um, I think it's – Greg Shiana has really kind of said it's too close to call. I, I kind of lean that way. I think we've seen the – from what we've seen, the reps have been pretty divvied up accordingly in terms of second team, third team. I think that Snyder obviously has more experience. I think Simon coming in at least, I know that the, you know, Ash staff kind of considered Simon to be a better prospect than Snyder when they got him. So, uh, because obviously Simon was initially committed to Ash. So I would say that if I had to name, a, if I had to pick someone right now, I would think I would lean towards Simon maybe a little bit, but I think it's pretty even. And I think that either way, Whoever wins the job, no one really knows what you're going to get until, and Rutgers hopes it doesn't happen, they have to go out there and play. And and Vedral Sarge, I mean, watching him so far, I I think we we expect him to have a a clear, better understanding, quote-unquote, of the Gleason offense. I think he already had a pretty good feel for it. Uh, He looks healthy. Um, You know, what, what, what do you see from him? Yes, uh, the feel for it—you could you could see it just from 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 practice. I mean, he just has so much more of a command. I talked about the leadership. You can see how how guys rally around him. Um, we've talked about this before. He was so yeah. I mean, he was as accurate as a Rutgers quarterback has been since two thousand four. Ryan Hart uh, was the last quarterback to be at sixty five percent. You know, and that's going to be a key to, to Sean Gleason's offense. The other thing is, you know, just his ability to be able to keep plays alive. You know, I mean, you know, people look at you know, his stature, you know, I, 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 you know, I think we could kind of talk about it. I thought you looked bigger uh, physically, uh, but, you know, that was your first uh, up close. And I think you said it to me, like, you, you, he looks small just from a height standpoint. From a height standpoint, he does. Yes. yes. But, but, but body, I don't think that body wise, I agree with you. Yeah. I don't think that yeah. matters because I think, you know, he, he's, you know, has the ability, the uncanny ability to be able to keep plays alive. And I think that's going to be, you know, a, you know, a, a big key to the season, especially with the question marks at offensive line. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll, we'll get to it later in the segment. There's been a lot of questions about what happens to Noah Vedral if he gets hurt and what happens to the team if he gets, Noah Vedral gets hurt. And I totally agree that that is one of the five biggest questions I have about the team as well. Where do they go if, if that happens and how big of a drop-off is this going to be? Um, all right. So you want to dive into some sure or false, guys? You're ready for a little, uh, little true or false action? All right. Let's, let's do this. You know the rules, of course. All right. True or false? The biggest position of concern Colon, defensive line, Cratch, true or false? False. Sarge, true or false? False. All right. The biggest position of concern, Colin, offensive line, Cratch, true or false? True. Sarge, true or false? <sighs> I hate when we agree, but yeah, it's true. 
All right, I guess I don't have to go any further than that. Interesting that you say that because I do, we'll talk about it, but the rotation of defensive line is very interesting to me. All right, true or false, the position that's going to surprise people the most, colon, tight end, cratch, true or false? True. Okay, Sarge. The position that, yeah, true. <laughs> you just said it all like it when you well, agree. I'm trying, to easy one. I'm trying to think of another position, but I, I, the next one I was going to do was just there's going to be cornerback. I, that was, I guess that, that was one I thought that could be a lot better. People thought, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. All right. True or false. This is the best coaching staff in Rutgers football history. That's true or false. True. Sarge. True. True. And I don't want to break the rule, but let's get back to that one after, okay. after we're done. True or false. This is going to be the best basketball team that Steve Peichel has. And that's a quote has had since he's been at Rutgers. And that's a quote from Steve Peichel directly through Jerry Carino. Uh, true or false, Cratch? I'm going to say false. Sarge, true or false? I'm going to say true, and I'm going to rip Joe Lenardi, who has Rutgers, you know, and is way too early uh, NCAA bracket today as one of the last four teams in the field along with Seton Hall. Oh, boy. That, that, you know, that, that is crazy to me considering, you know, not only did they get in, you know, you know, at, you know, at, at what a ten seed last year, but they they won a game, and you know they had the amount last four in. Jolinardi, oh, woo! Yeah, it's a little early for that, to be honest with you. All right, finally, true, true or false? We were wrong. Greg Brown and Pat Hobbs totally aced that coaching search. Cratch, true or false? Uh, I'm going to say a polite <laughs> false. <laughs> Sarge, you got all you want to you feel that one? It was, yeah, I mean, it, it was smooth. It was a smooth. smooth. Uh, all right, so this is where we're coming from this, uh, guys. I don't know if you listen, if, any, if anyone out there listens to all the other podcasts, which I, 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 rec- I recognize it's difficult now that there are, what, uh, 37 Rutgers podcasts. Uh, but the one with John Newman and Danny uh, uh, Breeslayer, what's his name? Uh, uh, Bree. Breslauer. 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 Make sure it's not Breslauer. Make sure it's not Breslauer. I think it's Breslauer. I think it's Breslauer. Anyway. You've known Danny uh, for 40 years. John and Danny in their podcast had Greg Brown on, and it was an interesting segment, and and Sarge wanted me to listen to it because he, halfway through, he takes a shot at us. He says that there was a lot of misinformation in the media, uh, which I don't mind. I don't mind people do that. It's fine. Generally speaking, I find that if we get something wrong, People tell us exactly what it is right away. They don't, they don't give you the, you got something wrong. Well, what is it? Well, I just, you know, you just got something wrong. Uh, but that's fine. But the thing that amazed me in this was just, you know, the best way I can describe it was this, the re, trying to revise what happened during that process. And, you know, in which, I mean, I think we all know we, it wasn't like it was happening behind closed doors. The thing blew up. They had to get dragged back to the table. And I, the quote that just blew me away from Greg Brown was that, like, we had to keep – all we had to do to get him was keep our eyes on the prize. I mean, Cratch? <laughs> it, throw, throw me, it to you. Can, me, can, I, can I take no, it? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, please. Sorry. Go ahead, take it. So, a couple things about that. One, it wasn't us who broke the news that Seattle had pulled out, of, uh, you know, on, on that Sunday. That was Pete Thamel, and then obviously we confirmed it quickly thereafter. It wasn't us who, who reported that he had pulled out on that Sunday, you know, obviously six days before. Um, two, you know, <laughs> Pat Hobbs was interviewing people, you know, after that. So, I mean, and that, that's just a fact. I mean, that was, you know, that, that, that has come out in depositions from, from other coaches. Jeff Hafley, Brett, Brett yeah, Bolima. I mean, I mean that, 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 that is just a fact that, you know, that, 
the, the whole thing blew up and and that that it, w- it wasn't as, it wasn't smooth it wasn't a smooth thing so you know a little bit of, but that's fine you know? i don't mind it just come because out and say it ultimately, 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 ultimately they, they, they you know they, they nailed it they, right. they they got they got it done yes they, you know, so that's they, that's why it amazes me that we're trying to now sand over <laughs> sand over the, the rough edges on what happened Pratch. i mean uh, I will see. Yeah. I mean, actually, and Sarge is right. Like Pete had it first, but like we did, I was looking back because every once in a while, like I admit, like the, the suddenly this happens, the juices start flowing and I kind of look back, you know, I, I go dig into the archives. Like, Oh yeah. Like what was going on? It's so, like, I think that Sunday, I think it was after the Michigan state game, I think uh, we had, we had written a story. Like we, like we had, we reported that morning, like the, the plan B talk was already beginning. You know, that was the, you know, we, like we didn't come up with Jed fish off the top of our head. Like, Oh yeah, let's throw this guy out there. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Plan like, B look, was plan A for them at the start. Let's, let's be honest, be clear on that. I mean, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I think plan A was like the, that guy from Toledo who everyone talks about, but anyway, right. um, no. no. So plan, plan A was Bush Jones. Bush Jones. Bush, was, Bush was, Jones. Yeah. Bush right. Jones. Yes. Right. <laughs> We got that and, one. Graciano, Graciano was Plan A. He you was know, they, plan, No, he was Plan A. He was Plan A. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, look, I think that like when when they do the thirty for thirty, I just think they call us. <laughs> you know, God. that's all. Oh, that would be so, all the third. They'd just be out of thirty for thirties if that's one. But I would watch it. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's that's we just had to. We couldn't let that go, obviously. But all right, let's go to the next thing we want to talk about. Scratch, you had something to say about the best coaching staff. Oh, uh, well, Sarge has I, – so I think you would ask – I was just going to say about the best uh, Rutgers team Peichel's had. Oh, right, right. You know, okay, I, maybe, but, like, what happens when, you know, they're five minutes into the game and, and Big Cliff's got two fouls already? That's continually my issue with this yeah, team. That, that, that's, a big, that's a big loss. I mean, I, I, I think you're also right about having the, the issues in the backcourt somewhere. I mean, Jake, Jacob Young was, was an extremely important player. Uh, it's hard to – until I see that team replace Miles Johnson and Jacob Young, I can't make that statement about the best basketball team that Steve Peichel's had. Um, Sarge, what do you got? Um, so the coaching staff. Okay? Yes. Right. And I think one of the, the big things that I think Cratch touched on a little bit earlier, but yeah, I think is the best thing that Graciano did this offseason was keeping that entire coaching staff basically intact. Um, and we talked about the wide receivers and, you know, here's why they struggled all those years, but they had, you know, five different, five wide receiver yeah. coaches in as many years. I mean, year after year after year, um, you know, I talked to Bo Melton in Indianapolis about it, you know, how difficult it was to, you know, to to learn different techniques and different things to not have the stability at these different position groups. Everyone talks about, we've written, you know, ad nauseum about, you know, the revolving door of offensive coordinators, but, it, you know, it stemmed so much deeper than that. Like just the inability of, of Kyle Flood late and then, you know, certainly Chris Ash of keep retaining assistant coaches. And now the fact that Graciano has been able to do it. Now, look, I mean, it's come out of cost. I mean, Sean Gleason got a, you know, got, got a sizable raise and, and, you know, and that's, you know, based on, uh, on, on results, but, you know, he's going to need to, to, to do this going forward. And he did it, you know, uh, during his first off season. I think that's probably the biggest win that he's had this entire off season. And the, and the biggest part of that too, the other, other unspoken part about, I think he's relying on them a lot more. At least that's the sense I get. 
without question. Yeah, and he's writing them. I think that's good. You can see that in practice. He is truly, uh, but he but he relies on them. He knows he can count on them, and that's you know that that's that's a really important thing for 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 a college football program. I also think that he's done a really good job of like look. Staffs do not stay together forever. Like inevitably, probably after this season, there'll be turnover of some sort, especially when you've got a bunch of younger coaches on the staff that have aspirations. But he's done a really good job of there are certain, you know, kind of key cogs in the staff. Like, you know, like, like Bob Frazier is not leaving, you know. He, so there's always right. going to be that backbone established sure. of his staff yeah. moving forward. Which I think Joe Susan, he, guys like that he trusts. Exactly. Like, yeah. Trust. Yeah. Because even when Chris Ash, Chris Ash brought in good coaches that he had relationships with, a lot of them were going to be at the door in a year or two to move on to the next best thing. I think, as you, Sarge, mentioned, they can pay these guys. I think that's right. the big thing. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, let's move on. Uh, I know we wanted to talk – it happened a few couple of weeks ago, but we wanted to talk about conference expansion because it still remains the biggest issue in, in college sports right now, and it's just a fascinating, fascinating thing when you, when you see Texas and Oklahoma – you know, just pulling the plug on the Big 12, moving to the SEC. It's, it's just, uh, I, I get it that the ripples haven't gotten up here yet, Cratch, but, you know, it's hard to imagine that, that it's not going to happen at some point. You know, I, where do you think this thing stands now if you were looking at this? Are we looking at an immediate, you know, something's going to happen and shake loose uh, in the coming weeks and months, or is this going to take years? I think it's going to take years. I think in many ways, like, the SEC pulled off the perfect surgical strike to which there's, like, no real, like, response or retaliation that's available, you know, obvious to the to the other leagues i mean i I think the big key is going to be one i think people will need to see what the tv next tv broadcast frontier looks like i think that there's a lot of talk about streaming i think there's gonna be a lot of focus on you know the notre dame uh season open being on peacock i tend to think that the streaming aspect is gonna be more tilted toward like one school than a whole conference worth of schools. I mean, obviously if Amazon wants to bid for the big 10, suddenly Amazon has to find a way to broadcast, you know, in a normal like mid season week, seven games and seven big 10 cities and have seven broadcast crews and seven 30 man, you know, t- tech teams and everything. Whereas Notre Dame, I think Pete Dammel said on the Yahoo's podcast, which I know we all listen to Notre Dame's like Ted Lasso, you know, you put one <laughs> truck in South bend and you've got seven, or eight games a year and that's like your season you know that's what streaming packages want uh i think that you know there's some thought that you know could the big 10 kind of lease stuff out but i think the big 10 is is in a a good spot but also kind of a potentially nerve-wracking spot because there's really no obvious way for them to go but there's still the a point like the sec is the strongest league in college football but the big 10 is still the second strongest league and it's a big distance between them and the ACC, which is three. So right. I think they're kind of, in, they're in a position of strength, but also that can be a little bit worrisome that you can't go grab schools from the ACC because of their long-term contract. You, you don't necessarily have the, I think a big question is going to be do, do the big 10 presidents and chancellors and Kevin Warren have the intestinal fortitude yeah. to potentially destroy the ACC or the PAC 12. 
And, that, and that's, yeah, and that is a big question mark. I, I don't know that Kevin Warren is the guy you want to have when you're going to war at this point. We, didn't, we haven't seen a lot from him as a, as a leader quite just yet. Not saying he, I mean, he's new at the job still, relatively speaking, and inherited the crisis when he started. But, you know, Jim Delaney was the, was the backroom operator that you, you wanted in a situation like that. Sarge, what do you think the Big Ten should do? And what do you think the Big Ten will do? I think they should. What you wrote about, and I hate to give you credit, Poe, but, you know, go, go, go out west, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, you know, USC, um, you know, go, uh, go west and, 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 and take those. I think the Pac-12, you know, you know just raid them. But w- what will they do? I cannot see uh, Kevin Warren being cutthroat enough to, to do it, nor the presidents. And, you know, I think Cratch is right. I think once they start looking at um, the, the, you know, the money that's going to be available, um, I don't know if it's going to be as much as, as, as a lot of people think it's going uh, going to be. Uh, we we are still uh, dealing with you know we will be dealing with the the, the fallout of the COVID uh, uh, recession, right. and I think when 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 you know these schools, I, I just you know just know from talking to, to 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 people about it that they're not going to want to divvy up the pie. You know, I mean, you know, you know how many times, you know, how many ways can you divvy up the pie? I don't think they're going to want to divvy up any further. Um, I think what you know is you know the Big Twelve is trying to to form some some sort of a coalition with the Pac twelve. Um, you know, I thought that the Big Ten, Ten at worst should have uh, done something like that. But you know, I I think what they should do is, is expand west. But you know, I don't think they that, that they that they'll be cutthroat enough to do it. It'll be, uh, be fascinating to monitor and watch over the. Uh, I and mean, I think you're right too, Kratz. It's going to be years, but uh, uh, I don't think we're done yet with the uh, the movement. No, I think the Big Ten. If I'm the Big Ten, I just basically sit there and just hope and pray that Notre Dame decides, okay, like we're going to do this, but we're yeah. going to somehow finagle our way out of the ACC. Because if Notre Dame joined the Big Ten, like the Big Ten would be richer than God. I mean, like no pun intended. I mean, right. the, the amount of wealth that would flow their way. No, but I'm also curious too. Like, I don't think the Big Ten would do it, but does a league like the Big 12, which is, you know, between a rock and a hard place at this point, do they zig when everyone else is zagging? Like everyone else is talking about adding members to make the pie bigger and everything. Do you just double down on having a regional league with games that people care about and that maybe maybe your thought process is we're not going to make as much tv money but we're going to drastically reduce the cost of our olympic sports in terms of travel and everything and that's how we make up a little bit of difference i think that could be i mean if you're going down you might as well go down swinging and add all the texas schools and create this gigantic texas centric conference and just wing it and see what happens Right, right. Well, I guess that's the question. Is, is Ohio State going to be willing to say, yeah, let's just let's stick to the regional thing? You know, <laughs> is that going to be the next surgical strike? I mean, I have to be careful. I don't think it, I don't think it ever would happen. I really don't believe that the big, like all the rumors about, oh, they're going to go after Ohio State, Michigan next. It's not, I can't, it's, I can't possibly no, see it. But I there's mean, a reason why you'd be proactive. There's a reason yes. why you have to. The one thing that the Big Ten has going for is that these schools have been in the Big Ten for over a century. Texas has been in like four different conferences now. They don't care. There's no sense of unity or tradition. And I also think that the Big Ten research schools all being together is very important. You know, that's, I think, a massive issue is the academics. You know, the people on Twitter are like, oh, you know, the Big Ten needs to go add West Virginia. Like, like come on, guys. Like, there's, there's no way. They wouldn't even let West Virginia, like – join as an affiliate <laughs> soccer a, team. I love it. You're dumping on West Virginia. Matt Stammeyer, 
our, our finest, one of our finest journalists. Uh, not dumping on West Virginia. Is a West Virginia grad. I'm going to tell him to listen because he's not. I'm going, a South know. Carolina grad. Hey, I went there for student newspaper and spur. It worked out. He, bur- he, 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 burns, he, he burns sofas regularly, Stan Meyer and West Orange after games. So I'm going to have to tell him this is, this is, uh, yeah, this is good. I like it. I like a little rivalry here in the staff. Uh, all right. Uh, can we move on to some uh, Rutgers Insider questions? Let's do that next. Sure. Um, as always, thanks for subscribing. I realize I've been giving you guys a bad link at the beginning of this. Uh, NG.com backslash insider is not working right now. Uh, if you want to get in the action, we just want we want people to sign up for subscriber exclusive to subscribe to our website. Uh, there's an option when you do that to uh, to get the text messages for uh, Rutgers, for the Giants, for the Yankees, uh, and, and and you know we ask every week people in our text message service what questions they have for the podcast, and those are the ones we use. So uh, get involved in the conversations, and also you get our great content. So uh, unfortunately. We got about 40 questions and about 10 of them are on Cratch's beard. So I don't know like what Sarge we should do here. Do we want to talk about the beard anymore? I mean, they want to hear what, when did Cratch grow a beard and what went into the decision-making process was, was the, was the question. I mean, was it the strongest man competition Cratch? Was it what, you know, you know, it was as simple as this. I just, it was summer and I didn't feel like shaving. And then I got okay. to go a point, you know, we're like, I had gotten to like this facial hair growth point where traditionally I just would give up and shave. And I just was like, Hey, you know, why don't I keep this going? And more importantly, I got approval from my fiance to keep it going. And then it just, and people like, Hey, it looks good. So, you know, and then like it got a little bushy and I was like, we got to cut this back. And then the bigger thing too, was my, my brother had his wedding a couple weekends ago. So I was, I got to a point where I was like, you know, I got to either commit to the beard or I got to shave now because you don't want to make the decision five days for the wedding and then cut whack yourself shaving or, you know, some bad Nick, some cut, some breakout or yeah. anything. So right. we're just sticking with the beard. So it's a day by day thing, you know, but, the, beard, uh, the beard is day to day, day to day, you know, and okay. uh, I, I think we're, I'm, I think I'm at least committing to, to, I don't want to say I'm going to the bye week at least, but, you're going to get to the opener. Definitely I, I'm going to get, gonna get to the opener. Right. I feel like I ha- I've come this far. Right. I've got okay. to bring it to the opener. Right. Uh, maybe Ro- hopefully Rod Carey won't recognize me with the beard. You know, after all the <laughs> things I've said about him. Uh, that's awesome. Poor Rod Carey. All right. The next question. Any potential changes to seating capacity this fall to COVID issues? Uh, you know, we have a bunch of, that was the second most popular question after the beard. David Melman asked, you know, what's going to happen with the Delta variant, with the number, um, you know, I, I, are they going to require vaccinated people? Sarge, I mean, what are you hearing on that front? Any, any, any news so far on that? Yeah, I mean, nothing. I mean, uh, you know, Greg Ciano, I asked him um, just last week about it and, you know, he, um, you kind of smirked, I think, when 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 I when I said, "I know this goes above your pay grade." I think you kind of got a kick out of me saying that. Um, but I I don't think that there's any answers right now. I think the university, you know, to their credit, is going to probably uh, you know uh, take a wait and see approach. You know, they don't need to make the decision on on you know uh, you know on, in mid August. I think they're going to have to make the decision as we get closer to September second. Um, but you know, right now, I think they're just selling tickets. Again, we talked a couple of weeks ago about you know how how many uh, you know will will the game be sold out? All the other things. Um, yeah, I still don't know if you know just a general fan is gonna is gonna going to want to you know come back in droves. So, um, I, I I don't think it's, I, I I think it's just an issue that they're gonna you know let let sort itself out. Uh, the bigger question probably is going to be you know what Jonathan Holloway told 
um, you know, a, a podcast back in, you know, I think it was probably John, Johnny and Dan's podcast, uh, you know, uh, several months back where, where he left in, in doubt whether or not, you know, the basketball games, whether the rack will, will, will have attendance. He said this way back in like February or March, I believe, you know, I think as we get a little bit, you know, you know, closer, I think it's still the same thing that we've known all along that indoor is going to be different than outdoor as far as, uh, you know, the transmission of this virus. So, you know, the indoor uh, aspect, might 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 concern some some records officials probably a little bit more than you know being outside outdoors for a football game great point well they, they've said that they're going to have full capacity at the rack with masks i think that's what we're going to stick with i i don't th- i mean just i'm just looking at the fact that stadiums around the country are still full you know for baseball and everything and I just think that that is a big thing that's given Rutgers a lot of comfort that we've had. We have lots of examples of games and are not being issues. So I think right now we're probably looking at, you know, no change in what they've announced. Uh, I tend to think that, you know, Steve mentioned the vaccine, vaccinated people only in the stadium. Rutgers has had a lot of opportunities to go that way and they haven't. Yeah. So I tend to think they're not going to do that, but I think we're all on schedule. I think Sarge is right. Indoor season will be a little bit different, but I don't know. My guess is just that if you're Rutgers, you had a lot of controversy with the way you handled graduation or not having a graduation. You've got the students back on campus. If the students are back on campus, I feel like you've got to have the stadium at full capacity. And if the students are still on campus, you've got to have the rack at full capacity, even if it's with masks. All right, next topic, and then it's the third most popular question. What are the odds Vedral stays healthy for 12 games? Doesn't that make the battle behind Vedral more crucial than we think? Peter in Palm City, thanks for the question. Uh, another one along those lines, if Noah Vedral gets hurt and there's a real chance of that happening based on past history, how confident do you think the coaching staff is in his backups, as big as Artsikowski struggled at times, having him as an experienced backup was a big luxury last year. Uh, guys, you know, it's funny. I, I was thinking about this. From like, You can think about regardless of how they feel about Snyder or Simon. I know they're confident in the guy building the offense for those two. And I think that makes a big difference, Sarge, right? I mean, like we saw what happened when they lost Vedral uh, in, in the game uh, against Purdue. <laughs> like they, they built an offense on the fly, essentially, to, to, you know, to win that one. Um, I mean, what do you think overall of those two questions? Yeah, I, I just think that, yes, it's a question mark. And I think that, you know, in, in, in mid-August, you know, six days in the camp, you know, I don't know if we've gotten those answers just yet, but – you just look at Sean Gleason, his history at Princeton, you know, playing, you know, three, four quarterbacks, not only during a season, but, you know, in the course of a game, always having, you know, faith in, you know, in, in, in not only the starting quarterback, but, you know, the backups behind him to execute the offense. And then, you know, a year ago, like you, uh, like you said, the Purdue game is a great example of just basically having to, to piecemeal it on the fly, winning that game with, you know, <laughs> with, with Sikowski laying in, you know, down the stretch. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was a, you know, it was, it was, it was a thing of beauty. Uh, so, you know, I just, I think I, I, I have confidence, you know, at this point that Sean Gleason is going to be able to figure it out and, and try to, you know, uh, get the best out of that backup quarterback situation. The other part of that crack is interesting. Like it's not just, you know, who the quarterback is. It's also when it happens, you know, I mean, I, the, 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 the trick of this is if Metro does get hurt and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're throwing Simon into the mix for, or, or Snyder in the mix for Wisconsin or, you know, like, or one of these, one of these dominant big 10 teams. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's part of the equation as well. No doubt. I think, you know, the one thing about like, look, no Vedral's playing style 
is conducive to him getting dinked up. I think we've established that. But the other thing is that while he missed time last year because of injury, he also plays hurt a lot. And that's also something that Rutgers can kind of not take comfort in, but know that he's not going to leave the field without really getting hurt. Right. Uh, yeah. But I think you're right. And here's the thing. There's really no soft spot in this schedule. No. Once you get past the Delaware game, it is all Big Ten all the time. So I think that's also makes it kind of difficult that you might, you know, there's no, there's no place like, Oh, you know, we'll just we'll ease through this period. Like, no, 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 no. I mean, even when you're by a week, you're coming, you're, you're open date, you're going to Illinois, which is a place that you've struggled in. So yeah, there's really no good place, but it, I, I think Sarge is right. You, you have to have more faith in Gleason than the actual backup because we've never really seen the backup play. Right. Right. All right, here's a good one. Chris from Toronto. Again, we are an international podcast, folks. Uh, in your opinion, what does the Rutgers football team need to improve to get over the hump and finish six or six uh, or better in 2021? More explosive, is it more explosive plays of the special teams, more consistent, productive running game, putting more pressure on the quarterback or something else? I'm going to say that if for me, it's stopping the run. I think that's that's the biggest thing. That was a huge problem in games against a good competition or even toss-up games like Nebraska last year. Um, Sarge, what's your answer to that one? Yeah, I mean, kind of almost a bigger picture of that is what we've said about Rutgers, you know, all along. Uh, until they actually look like a Big Ten program, and Big Ten is always going to be, you know, an in-the-trenches league. And I'm talking about both sides of the ball. We, we certainly have, have a lot of question marks about the offensive line. The defensive line have a little bit less uh, question marks. I think they'll, they'll be able to figure it out. But, um, you know, those, those two areas, until they – actually have the look, you know, and feel of a big 10 team on a, on a weekend, week out basis, you know, that's going to be the thing that's going to uh, get them you know, over the hump. Cratch, you agree? I agree. I also think chunk plays on offense. That's going to be a big key. I, I think that the way college football is played now, it's really hard to be a prolific offense. If you're going, you know, 80 yards and 10 plays every time, I think they need to have that, especially vertical passing game. You know, I think Isaiah Washington, he's a big key because he's, he's a bigger body wide receiver than, than Shameen and Bowen Crookshank. They, and they need to kind of stretch Vedro's arm out a little bit, I think, and, you know, be able to hit that 35 yard bomb down the field, that 50 yard bomb down the field, get those, you know, two, three-play scoring drives. Here's another good one. Uh, which players look like they've physically matured the most in the weight room since last year? Also, who is the breakout player this year? Uh, I'm going to throw one out there. I, I really I talked to Mike Divertoff, and I get, I get that his transformation probably started uh, last year or, you know, based on compared to where he was physically when he came into to Rutgers. But you, you talk to the kid now, you're like, oh, my, all right, he's got a, He has got a uh, NFL-type body now, which is, which is really cool to see. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be an impact guy. Uh, Sarge, Cratch, which, which one do you want to take this? Who, who, who have been guys who have made the most progress in the weight room and who you think is going to be the breakout player? Um, so the, the guy who Cratch wrote about today, uh, Christian Izzy, impressed me just from a uh, pure uh, physical standpoint. Another guy, Isaiah Pacheco, you know, looks like an NFL, you know, running back um, from a physical standpoint. And as far as a breakout guy, I think, you know, uh, uh, is Pacheco. Again, uh, same guy. Um, you know, I think – You're high on him. I know. I am very high on him. I, I, I think he's going to be, you know, a stud, you know, this year. Um, I, I, I really am. Um, and when we talk about breakout, he still hasn't had a 1,000-yard career. Uh, season he's been he's been good he's been certainly their best running back the last couple of years but you know you know when we're talking about breakout I think you know you know I think he's you know in line to have the thousand yard uh, season if he stays healthy you have one crutch 
So I've always said this. I think the most impressive f- player physically on the field is Zukudo Iguanugu. The uh, now is, is, came as a linebacker, now is a tight end. Hasn't played, but I mean, he's just a physical freak. And I think as he learns the tight end position, he's a guy. Is he going to play? You think? I don't. I don't know if he's going to play. I, I think that he's probably the third tight end, maybe you know, third or fourth tight end. But yeah, he's fourth. just got so many physical tools, and obviously linebacker is so loaded. He probably wasn't going to see the field there. I think he's got a better chance to see the field at tight end breakout player you know i it's tough i think mayan ahanatu could be the breakout player because i think so far what we've seen through camp i think a guy like aaron lewis might be a year or away still from making a really big impact on the defensive line you know iron burke is a guy who's kind of up or down but you know there's a big opening there with one four leaving um afeni maisha the temple transfer has been kind of is still working back from some things i think mayan ahanatu a guy who has played real snaps at Minnesota and, and now last year we played all nine games at Rutgers NFL pedigree his dad was in the league for 12 years he's he's known Greg Shiano since he was 14 years old when when Shiano was volunteering at Berkeley prep I think he's a big he looks like he's grown a lot in the weight room I think he could be a really strong you know factor on the defensive line for Rutgers it's funny, there's, there's, there's one guy I'm thinking of for physical specimen who Sarge told me not to mention. <laughs> That's great because Seattle's trying to hide him. So now I'm afraid, like, I'm afraid I, will, I won't mention him. But, like, there are a couple of guys in that roster who, like, I legit, I looked like, I was watching, who is that? And you look at the roster, and you're like, oh, wow, that kid is a freshman. Uh, so I'd be interested to see if some of those guys, and uh, if it happens, I'll come back on the podcast and say that, that we were right. Right, Sarge, is that allowed at least? Yeah, probably, you know, once the season, once, once the once, season starts. Right. Yeah, we could probably we'll say it right after week one. After we'll the Heisman Trophy presentation. <laughs> he just want to be able to say, I knew that guy was going to be. All right. Um, let's see if we have anything else. I think that covers just about all of uh, – all right, this one last general one. Oh, no, this is a fun one. Let's do this one. Um, what new trick play do you want to see in 2021? Uh, Coach Gleason is all ears. CJ and Basking Ridge. Uh, is there something you want to see from the – I mean, without giving away anything, I don't think they've really done a lot of trick plays at this point, but without giving anything away, is there something you guys would like to see from this uh, – some chicanery from this team? I would like to see two plays. One, I, I just would like to see the the old Steve Spurrier double pass. You know, Vegel kind of throws the backwards pass to like, you know, Melton probably and then chucks it downfield. I'd love to see Rutgers put the wedge in. Like the old school, like 1920s, 30s wedge. wedge. Where you just yeah, you go five wide, you spread everything out, you got only your five offensive linemen in, and then literally those guys just form a, a V, you know, ear hole to, you know, what hole. And then just Vedral gets in behind the center and you just push. The goal is to introduce the nose guard to the, the, the back safety. That's the goal. Boom. I'd love to see you just create a massive pile of humanity and wow. just push the blind forward. Another helmet, Sarge. How about that? Yeah, I, w- I want to see the fumble Ruski. I mean, really? Let a guy like Nick Crimmin, who's been here for six years, loyal guy, like, you know, he's, he's changed positions, done everything that they asked, and, you know, let him let him execute the fumble Ruski. That'd be something you know? else. I, I like it. Can I see if Sean Gleason adopts these plays? Uh, we will know that he is one of our loyal listeners. All right. Uh, thanks again for your questions, everyone. Much appreciated. Um, anything else we want to cover? Oh, I do want to mention hoops recruiting. 
a couple of players for 2022, Derek Samson, a Lenape guard, uh, Nashville forward, Braden Moore, a couple of guys, again, who might not be on the uh, big recruiting services uh, uh, radar, but, you know, Brian Fonseca does a great job with this. He, you know, he mentioned that Arizona State had just offered Simpson, uh, which it kind of tells me that I mean, if that's going to happen, that, that Bobby Hurley's network of New Jersey people, someone got to him and said, hey, this kid's a player. You're going to try to get him before he gets on the radar. That's how I think that probably went down, uh, knowing his connections up here. Um, Cratch, you got anything you want to uh, – you got anything else about uh, recruiting or anything else? Uh, no. No, I, I don't think we talked about – did we talk about Nick Seriano transferring? There's that, no, we didn't. No, we did not. Yeah, so uh, Nick Sirianna is in the transfer portal uh, weekly. He's posting up Instagram, if you haven't seen it, the, the Globe. We're, we're getting closer. We, we zoomed in on him in Arizona, uh, mountaintop. Um, yeah, just look, I think it was a long time coming. Obviously, it's something I think Rutgers kind of expected for a while. So we'll see where he lands up. He's got one year of eligibility left. Um, I, I think Arizona state's a place where a lot of people have said, but I, I think, I don't think it's a given. I think Ohio state is there. So either way, I, I, my guess, my gut just tells me he's going to land somewhere in the big 10. And then we are going to potentially have a, you know, a Suriano Rivera match at some point. Although I think there's a very good shot that, that Nick goes down to 125 to try to chase Spencer Lee for his final year. You watched the Olympics uh, wrestling. Would he have won gold? It's so tough. I mean, look, I think the thing that people have always said about Nick is defensively he is up there with the best in the world. I think the, the big question on Nick has always been his offense. He showed a lot of it. You know, he was wrestling in those overseas tournaments before. Obviously, he was able to compete at the trials because of COVID. But I think it would have been close. I mean, you know, Thomas Gilman won bronze for the U.S. Uh, Nick beat it at the tournament. I think it was the Glane in France. He beat the guy who beat Gilman that weekend so i think he certainly would have had a shot Interesting. all right uh, sarge anything else final thoughts no i mean i i just kind of think you know you being at football practice was something that we probably should have uh touched on more because it was first time i think in like uh you know yeah. like four or five years i mean did you need the gps to, to kind of no, get yeah. to, to you know you, you, you start to learn things about yourself after doing something for 25 years. And I just don't, I don't necessarily get a lot out of watching football practice. I could be honest for you guys. Although I will say I got, I did get a try, get a fair amount on this one. So maybe I, I think in four or four or five years from now, I think there's a good chance you're going to see me back there. I really do. With a bucket hat though. I mean, cause that's going to be, going to be, you know, a beard yeah, and a bucket I'm not, hat. Gonna, I'm not doing, I'm not, I can't do the beard, unfortunately. And I'm not, I have a bucket hat at you. Come on. Four or five years from now, the, uh, the the Death Star might be operational at that point. That's true. I can get a tour. I can stop in and get a tour of the Death Star, the new <laughs> football facility, you know, and go out and watch, you know, watch the Rose Bowl defending champions out there at the uh, at football practice. That'd be perfect. All right. <laughs> On that note, Rose Bowl defending champions, let's sign off for the week. Thanks to Devco. Thanks to all our listeners. We appreciate it. Uh, and we will check back in with you before the season. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.